This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick here on the Chicago Podcast Network. I am Nick Sorantos, Editor-in-Chief of our little organization, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Zignari. AJ, say hello. Hello. He went with the weird voice for that one. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with us. We want to thank everybody today. I don't know if you saw the post, AJ, but today we went over 5,000 subscribers today. So to everyone who's subscribing, everyone who listens, we want to thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. We hope you're still enjoying the show as much as we enjoy doing it. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for that. And we're expecting some bigger things. We've got some interviews lined up that are going to be great. And uh, things are going good. So I just want to you know, take a second to thank everybody. AJ, would you like to say something to our loyal people? Uh, I just want to tell everybody for um, thank you for listening to us. On, on this network and everything, uh, when Nick and I started doing this, um, we were very excited and still excited to this day. And, you know, it, it's somewhat uncharted waters for us, but even though we've been broadcasting for so long, uh, we were just still passionate about um, providing a voice for people and still, you know, uh, be the alternative media of, of the mainstream media and everything. So, and with that, your loyalty to us um, for downloading our episodes and liking us and sharing our content on the Facebook um, is much, much um, happy on our end and everything. So thank you for listening to us and hopefully you can, you're still continue with us forever and ever. And I should let you know, AJ, that the last like hundred subscribers we got are all from England in London because the SoundCloud will tell me where people are listening to us. So to people listening yeah. in England, thank you. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think. You can email us, Twitter, Facebook. We went through the proper, so you know how to get in touch with us. Let us know what why you're listening to us, because we, we talk American politics. Maybe we're giving you a window into Jesus tap dancing Christ. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And now we'll get on with the actual show, and we'll start with this. Our last show was two Thursdays ago. It was... In the long, long ago, in the far, far away, because um, I don't know what the hell else to say. So, AJ, it's been two weeks. When we last spoke, we were talking about transgendered rights and transgendered people because the Trump administration had rolled back protections that had been in place from the Obama administration in an advisory capacity. And we talked about that, had a really good show. And then, you know, we've both been busy. You're all over the place trying to fight the fight. I'm trying to get Democrats to not be such uh, wimps when it comes to how they fight stuff and trying to convince them that they should do things quickly as opposed to overthinking them like liberals always do. And two weeks passed. And in two weeks, let me hit the big ones first. Uh, let's get We'll get to healthcare towards the end because that's relatively recent in the clusterfuck that is the United States. But let's do some fun ones, AJ. First, I saw Logan. I know you're going tomorrow, so I don't want to spoil anything, but you're in for one hell of an emotional experience. I think you'll really like it. Uh, for those of you out there who have listened to this show, you'll know I'm a big X-Men fan. It is my comic book team from when I was a kid. And uh, that was that. There was a great film. Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman are obviously wonderful in it. And AJ, when you go see it, 
Next week, maybe we'll do like a 10-minute talk about the movie because there's a lot of stuff in there that I could spoil for you, and I don't want to. I want you to enjoy the film. So I'll just say, when you go see it, you're probably going to freaking love it. It's uh, this is So let me ask this then. Yeah. I've heard, and I kind of feel unsettled about this statement, or this claim rather, um, that this is the Dark Knight in that little no. rain series no for, that's for not X-Men. a fair descri- that's not a fair description because the dark knight is a very different thing than this the, the best way to describe this movie is imagine if miramax had the x-men contract in the early 2000s that's what i'd describe oh, nice. it as. it's like an independent film that just happens to have hugh jackman's wolverine in it like it feels a gotcha. lot it feels a lot more like uh those gritty independent semi-action movies of that time period. Um, yeah. And it's very muted color wise. You know, it's not shot in those, like, there are some cool shots, but it's not really made in that. Like here's a green screen and everything. Everything is in the real world. It's, it's, it's very good. And again, we'll talk about it in more detail after you see it, because there's not a lot I can get into without spoiling a lot. Um, I, right, just, right. I will confirm this for you. That is X 23, uh, his clone, in the movie, the little girl that is X 23. So that's, I mean, and that's, that's just like one of those things. Like if you looked at it, you knew who it was. And so that's who that is. Other than that, I'm not ruining anything for you. And uh, we'll talk about it next week when you see it. And then you can also tell us what you thought of King Kong. If I, if I should go see that, cause I'm kind of, I uh, got Ghost Recon Wildlands, and this is the last weekend before I really have to get busy with politics. So I'm going to shut myself in my room and play a new video game until I beat it uh, for the first time in like six months. So that's where we're at. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm going to go see Kong because um, Kong and Skull Island has always been my favorite story. And um, watching the original black and white version, that was just awesome, and now trying to see it in a more CGI era is going to be even more exciting. Plus, it has Loki, so you can't go wrong. You uh, can because it's Loki. Well, it's Tom Hiddleston; he's awesome. So, did you see his show? Sure, on? we'll go. With- you don't like Tom Hiddleston? He's all right. You didn't? Did you watch the Night Manager? The thing they did on AMC with him and uh- No, I didn't see that. You should watch that. That's really good. It's really good. It's like, uh, it actually makes me want Tom Hiddleston to be the next Bond. And before you laugh at me, watch it first, and then you'll see why. Um, no, I can see that. Without, without see, I mean, I can see him being a Bond. Yeah. James Bond. Yeah, of course. I went Bane Bond. That was weird. <laughs> Sean Connery with a Bane voice. Nope, got to stop it because I'll, I'll start doing it the whole show. All right, so Logan came out, and that's a happy story. Uh, we can go to the fun story, which you and I haven't had a chance to talk about, which was the wrong envelope at the Oscars, which is from the evil company that I always talk about, which I, I'm sorry that I took such pleasure in it, but I've spent a year and a half on this podcast referring to the evil corporation that I used to work for, and then they were embarrassed on the biggest stage of them all. And I actually know the guy that got uh, all the trouble, and he's actually a really good dude, and I feel bad for him. But uh, what a fucking thing that was. Jesus. <laughs> I'm I, I really thought that was like, uh, I honestly thought it was going to be like this tradition they do, that they, they fuck things up. Yeah. 
well, in order to get ratings. Well, and the best part, well, the worst part about it was apparently there was one last Matt Damon joke where the show was supposed to end with uh, Jimmy Kimmel sitting next to Matt Damon and calling him a loser because Manchester by the Sea hadn't won. And we got to, and we right. missed that, which is unfortunate because I do love the Jimmy. I did like that the entire Oscars just felt like a constant setup for uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon feud, which I enjoyed. I thought the show was good. It's just, and honestly, here's my thing. And before we get into the politics, I want to say this about the Oscar thing. I really don't care. I think it's wrong that the guy got fired from the job. I think it's stupid that like all these people are like, oh, they all screwed up. It's like the wrong envelope got handed. If you can't understand how in all of that chaos that the fact that it hasn't happened before now is the shocking thing. You know, like that, that, that to me was, I just, I didn't, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It's just, it looks great on TV. It got people talking about the Oscars for the first time in 10 years. So realistically right. who gives a shit and the, like all the stuff around it it's 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 hilarious and then you've got my favorite thing about it was the right wing coming out and going this is proof that liberal hollywood is getting exactly what they just like shut the fuck up not everything is a thing like sometimes people just fuck up it's not that big of a whatever and it, but it was you know, and then look, and we did our show about the Oscars, right? And, and I hated pretty much every movie that was nominated, with the exception of Hidden Figures. So, I whatever, it was fine. Um, what about you? Is there anything at the? But it wasn't. I mean, yeah. it wasn't fine. Well, look. it was a madhouse. They should have gotten their shit together. Okay. Again, at the end of the day, does it, my, my dad puts it like this. Because at the end of the day, it's a bunch of rich people telling a bunch of other rich people that they won a fucking award. Like, who gives a shit that they screwed it up? Oh, we, we messed up the thing. I mean, the only thing that makes it great is that it's midnight. So it's like they, they fucked up the one movie that's like, let's be honest, as far as like, if there's a movie that you're going to like get that civil rights, you know, black Oscars thing going on. It's going to be Midnight, which I, or Moonlight, which I have not watched, by the way. And all I know is that it involves a hand job at some point. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I feel like I don't know. Like, if it's a movie, from what I understand, it's, it's the guy when he's a kid. It's the guy when he's a teenager. It's the guy when he's adult, all dealing with being, like, poor and black from the inner city and gay. And while I understand to a lot of people that that might be an interesting film, that is not a film that I am interested in spending two hours on when I can watch The Flash. So I'd just rather watch The Flash. But that's where I'm at with the Oscars. Anything you want to say on that before we get into Jackass Von Hairpiece? No. Um, even though, yeah, I, I've never, I'm not a huge fan of the Oscars because I think all awards shows is just stupid. Not really um, the real pulse as to what people like. Yeah. or dislike when it comes to film and music and culture and everything. Um, it's just one big glorified PR piece. and Stroke job. Stroke you know, job. End, yeah, and at the end of the day, um, some of these people may be getting bonuses if they win. Some of them don't, or this is their jumping off point for their career or whatever, which, fine, whatever. If that's you, that's you, but... Um, I, it doesn't speak to me whatsoever at all. Um, and it's just my continuing hatred of cultural institutions like that. Fair enough. Well, that's our take on the Oscars and Logan. That's the fun stuff to talk about, AJ. Where would you like to begin? It just, it doesn't go uphill from here. 
Oh no, it goes downhill in a pile of shit like a porta potty blown away by the wind. Which no. I actually saw. I saw that yesterday. No, I think we can. I... You did? Yeah, I saw a porta potty because the winds were really hot, heavy around here yesterday, and a porta potty got yeah. knocked off the back of a flatbed and just rolled across Irving Park Avenue by the airport. It wasn't full. Oh. Oh well, that sucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, w- I want to see shit fly. Literally. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I ain't never seen anything, but I'd love to see shit fly. There's a little Dumbo reference for those of you who... My mom. I haven't heard a horse fly. Yeah. But I ain't never seen no elephant fly. All right. Um, okay. One of the racist songs ever. So, yeah, well, that that's like the, uh, the Song of the South, the movie that Disney doesn't acknowledge anymore. Um, let's start well, with... Oh no, that Zippity Doodah's from Song of the South. That's right, that's right. Yeah. The movie that Disney pretends doesn't exist. Um, let's start. Yeah. You want okay, do you want to start with healthcare or do you want to start with Russia? Where would you like to begin? Ooh, choices, choices. I will take healthcare for four hundred, Nick. Okay, healthcare for four hundred, ladies and gentlemen. The answer is it sucks. No. Um Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to this show, chances are you're aware of the fact that the GOP, the Grand Old Party, released their six years in waiting health care plan, much like Batman v Superman. We waited forever for it to come out. It came out, and everybody kind of went, eh, here we are again. So, <laughs> right? Is that not an apt description? It's the Batman v Superman of government that, plans? It, it is. It's like... <laughs> What the fuck is that? You had six years to come up with a replacement, and you didn't have one. That was my favorite thing about all of this. And if I was on the right, the thing that would make me the angriest is you bitched and you bitched and you bitched and you didn't have a plan in in, in it to come back because the Paul Ryan plan had been shot down five years ago. So like everybody was just like, no, 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 this. And then this thing comes out and it's like, well, it's going to throw 20 million people off of healthcare and you're going to be responsible for your own healthcare. And so all that stuff that you guys are talking about keeping, we've gotten rid of the pre-existing condition thing is the only thing that's left over. And even that there's a extreme penalty of a 30% markup on your insurance. If you allow your insurance to lapse. So the government by which I mean the Republicans at this point, have supported a plan that if you fail to follow the rules that they have set down, somehow, AJ, a private industry profits from it. Also, employers can throw you off of health care again. As, Go ahead. As opposed to... No, I, well, listen. Private companies profiting now? Well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. You get the point that I'm making. It's just... I know, I know what you're saying. It's, it's just it's another example of the shit that they talk about. And look, if you guys want to know and break down how it will affect you individually, you can go online. There are thousands of places you can go. I would recommend that you go to the Pew Research Center, New York Times. And uh, uh, if you want to really get down with it, Politico's got some interesting articles about what, what the changes will be. But essentially, I want to talk about AJ's just the... 
you have six years to get ready for this. You have all of this conversation going on and all these people constantly, not to mention the fact that they voted to repeal Obamacare like 15 times while he was in office because they knew that the veto would stop them. So they were able to keep doing this symbolic shit. But at no point did anybody offer any sort of replacement plan. And now they just want to, I love this attitude of, well, we're just going to repeal and we'll deal with replacing later. And that's that shit where you go, you're going to kill people. You're going to kill people for money, and we're all supposed to be okay with it. And the, the best part about it is if you go around the country now, majority of people are now standing up. I, I love the woman. Did you see the woman on CNN, AJ, who, who said, I love the Affordable Care Act. I just wish they hadn't called it Obamacare because I hate him so much. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it's just the stupidity of that. The And I'm not saying that the woman herself is stupid, but there's a stupidity in that mentality of, I hate this guy. I like what he's doing, but I still hate the guy. That's just nuts. There's nothing that Donald Trump has done since he's taken office that I've liked. I still, and I still don't qualify myself as saying, I hate Donald Trump. I hate the society and the situation that allowed him to become what he is. But for the most part, you can't blame an egomaniac who is that self-centered for being a self-centered egomaniac, right? Like, well, he's done some good things. Yes, uh, such as? Well, that one thing. What was the one thing? You know, that one thing he did. Paying for the prime minister of Japan or the ambassador from Japan? Well, no, 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 the other thing. The other thing. I can't think of another thing. I'm trying to. Well, he, he did one. He, he did one thing. He popped out at the tour. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it was very nice of him to sh- go scare the children by popping out of the door like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Here I am. <laughs> okay, great, Pumpkin Man. If I was a kid, by the way, I'd say, "Can I carve your head?" Just to see what would happen. Even at the age of like six or seven, had I been one of those kids, I still would have said something mean to that dude because that's just who I am as a person. It's why I'm on a podcast with you now. But we, we it's just so and then Donald Trump comes. OK, so going back to the health complaint, then Donald Trump comes out in support of it, says that if they don't pass it, there'll be a bloodbath. I have no doubt that Donald Trump hasn't even looked at the goddamn bill. But sure, we should all vote for it because this is what we promised people. So now that fight is happening. The House committee today, on I think, is on oversight. Uh, it made it out of committee. It is now going to face a floor vote and it is. Anyone's guess as to whether or not that thing is going to pass. We still have the issue of the of it getting through the Senate, which if a couple of Republican senators come over to the other side, which is looking like it's going to happen with Lindsey Graham and John McCain, uh, the Republicans won't get the bill out of the Senate, and then they'll be back to square one having to draft a new plan. And I truly believe, AJ, that if they can't get this repeal and replace out of the Senate at their first try, I think Obamacare basically survives the first four years of Trump. I really do believe that. Do you think I'm wrong? You think so? Yeah, I just, well, because I think the infighting at that point, when they start debating over what goes into what, like once that starts with all the special interests that control Republicans, 
Like it's, it's done. They're not going to get anything agreed to. And it goes back to the idea of, you know, not trying to do it. They're trying to do it in a Republican only way and force it through. And you got to give Obama credit. He at least talked to the other side about this plan, about Obamacare before he put it through, which is why it's so weak in so many areas. And all the stuff that was wrong with Obamacare is all the stuff that they're fighting for in their stupid, limited 1950s bullshit policy. So, I, I when I'm when I look at this story, AJ, and I, and I think about the healthcare thing, all all I keep thinking of in my head is just they they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and they fight these fights because they're told to by their lobbyists. And as shitty as I may get on Democrats, sometime I do believe that a majority of them wouldn't kowtow to the special interests at least in an issue like this as much. There's just not as much evil, for lack of a better term, going on. This is just. What's going on right now with healthcare is is basically, and, and the country is, I think that the Scott Walker opinion of governing in Wisconsin is now trying to be applied to the rest of the United States, and it's not going to work. So either they don't get it through and it dies on the floor, or they get it through and, you know, 20 million people are thrown off healthcare, probably 1,000 people a year are going to die from lack of healthcare. That's just as a result of this, and I'm just making those numbers up as we go, so don't take them seriously, but... You know, folks, this if you want to know the numbers of how many people are going to die as a result of this bill getting repealed, you can look it up. Also, AJ, before we move on, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the fact that they did not submit it to the Government Accountability Office? Or the Congressional oh, Accountability I'm, Office. I love that. It didn't surprise me one bit. For those of you who don't know, if you're... Go ahead. No, it's just that. It's just that. It didn't surprise me one bit that um, there is no proper procedures in place. Um, as much as I, you know, bash about the system and how government ran and everything, um, if anyone has any sense of how public administration operates or a business for that matter, um, this is not how it's done at all. And you can go to um, University of Illinois Chicago for their Masters in Public Administration program or um, University of San Francisco or the Box School for Public Administration out in University of Virginia, and they'll all tell you, um, this is wrong. <laughs> this is not how you do it. And uh, for everything that's been going on, and this is the very thing that you are applauding, um, then you're a moron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I don't know how to say it, that you're an absolute moron if you think this is how things operate and everything. And just because that you're not willing to understand um, how government works or at least understand um, what alternative systems that you could replace it with doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I you, mean, yeah. No, you're 100% on no. that. It's, it's, it's just that they, they, they exist in this weird-ass world where they block out everything else and just do what they... It, I, honestly, I honestly don't understand it sometimes. It, it hurts my brain to try to understand how the Republican thought process on health care. Uh, 
people don't have the money to pay for it. Well, they should be more responsible. And then Lincoln fucking jackass chafee motherfucker telling people not to buy iPhones and instead invest in their health care. And I love people breaking it down like mathematically. Well, for someone to cut out the price of one MRI, Lincoln, they'd have to buy about 30 iPhones, which I but, thought was but that's great. The thing. We shouldn't look at this as the Republicans because this is almost exactly with certain nuances um, difference. Um, this is exactly what happened during the new um, – third wave, the new Democrat period in the 90s, you know, when all these Democrats that got into office, including Bill Clinton and everyone else, how they overturned the apple cart and the Democratic Party changed over time. And we, we've been seeing that Obama's was part of that new Democrat um, period into that into the era and everything. We're seeing that now with the Republican Party that we 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 transition out of these neoconservatism ideology that we had with Bush um, Jr. And now we're seeing a whole new ideology. This is not libertarianism. This is not conservatism. This is a whole new GOP that none of us have seen nor had even conceived and everything. And there's different nuances to them that, you know, there's a little bit of um, libertarian ideology in there. There's a little bit of other things and what have you. But this is a new wave. And, again, we should not be treating this as this is what the GOP has always done. This is a whole different thing because the Rand Pauls, the um, Paul Ryans, and other people that we're seeing – are part of this new wave of the Republican Party and everything, and this is how they want to run the party. All they needed was a Trump to be in place in order for their agenda to move forward and everything. That's why I never look at Trump as you know, the person who's a puppet master, not even Mike Pence for that matter, even though Mike Pence is also one of those new wave Republicans. Um, which, before we move that, on, I would like to once again point out that the state of Indiana, under Mike Pence, uh, rescinded needle exchange and put in those uh, draconian uh, uh, religious freedom laws and also shut down um, a, a lot of funding to Planned Parenthood. And as a result, uh, heroin addiction grew at the highest in the state of Indiana and HIV mm -hmm. infection rates grew at the highest in the country in the state of Indiana under Mike Pence as governor. I would just like to point that out to anybody who would be supporting his religious bills that that is also a factor in all of this sorry i didn't mean to cut you off aj but i felt that was important to mention well no i mean and that's the very thing of these um republicans like pence and snyder and rauner walker um all these midwest republicans and some of the southern republicans have been starting this new wave in their party and everything and it all started with um, Reince Priebus at the helm with the RNC and Scott Walker and everyone else. Uh, because we, we're, we're out of the period of what's the matter with Kansas. We are now in the period of what's the, you know, what's the matter with Wisconsin right now. And if anyone pay attention to Wisconsin, um, then 
you know that what happened there happened everywhere else, not only in the Midwest, but in the East and the South and everything and what have you, um, in terms of like policy as well as, you know, how um, politicians are conducting a public administration and everything. So I don't want to get into a whole tirade about this, but I think the, the one thing I want to emphasize is that we should not be treating the GOP as if this is more the same that we've seen elsewhere. This is new, and anything you see new, it needs to be squashed right away. All right. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was health care. Uh, EJ, did you know that after we did our show on Michael Flynn resigning, that it turns out that the attorney general, you know, the leading lawyer in Congress, uh, or in Congress, in the government, uh, the government's prosecutor, who would be responsible for prosecuting this under normal circumstances, uh, lied to the Senate. Not kind of lied, not misunderstood, not, well, it depends on what your definition of the word is, is. But it's a straight up, just blackout, you know, total, no, I did not have any meeting with the Russian ambassador. But you did have a meeting with the Russian ambassador. Oh, well, I meant as a senator. No, 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 no. You guys, this is, and this is where you're talking about, like, maybe we need to take this into consideration, but you're the GOP. You do not get to sit there and impeach a president for lying about a blowjob in the Oval Office and then turn around and say, eh, he didn't mean it when you catch a guy committing perjury to the United States Senate. Right? Like, that's just the way that yeah. it should be. So the little fucking evil hobbit, racist little hobbit dude, like, is going off on and, and telling people, no, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, and then you find out that he did, and now there's not really going to be an investigation into it or anything like that because nobody seems to care. And in the midst of all this controversy, my favorite story so far of the Trump administration broke. And I'm going to bring it up, and then I'm going to let you, AJ, react to the bullshit that is this. Donald Trump wakes up on a Saturday morning, apparently, and this is my favorite thing. It happens on Saturday mornings because Jared Kushner leaves the office to go to Temple, and... Essentially, Donald Trump has unfettered access to Twitter and tweets stupid shit. And this Saturday morning at about 6.30 in the morning, decided to tweet that President Obama had wiretapped his offices in Trump Tower. With no proof and nothing to go on except one article on Breitbart and a report from a guy named Mark Levin. That's where <laughs> we're at. He said that the President of the United States ordered a government agency to wiretap his office. If there has ever been a better example that the man does not know how the government works, it's in that tweet. Because, first of all, the president can't order that. Secondly, for it to go through in any sort of way, it would have to go through a FISA court, of which they would have to be, they'd have to admit that that had happened. And number three, I don't think people realize, because in the movies you hear people say, oh, we're setting up a wiretap, that they think it's this easy thing to do. It is not. It's incredibly complicated and requires a lot of people to do it. So for that to have happened, there'd be about 40 people who were keeping this conspiracy. But since that didn't happen, all this is is one of two possibilities. One, Donald Trump is so easily manipulated by the alt-right or the conspiracy, whatever the fuck you want to call those crazy-ass people. Or 
And this is what I think might be happening. Donald Trump is a lot smarter than we're all giving him credit for. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he tweeted that thing in the morning. That he was sitting somewhere and going, what can I do to distract from Jeff Sessions and all this bullshit? I know, I'll accuse my predecessor of wiretapping me. Because that will destroy the, the Jeff Sessions story. Which is it has effectively done. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was what built up to the healthcare bill release. And all of this stuff is going on. And it's just nuts and now we've got it again today that the fbi is continuing into a computer link between the russian banks and the truck organization that broke about an hour ago on uh, cnn um this stuff isn't happening so this is my question to you my very good friend aj because i have i have a problem believing that there is i don't believe in active conspiracy theories i really don't i don't believe in the idea that Vladimir Putin has been in direct conversation at some point with Donald Trump giving him marching orders. I don't think it works that way. I think that Putin is is very smart as far as he's evil, but he's smart. And he knows what he's doing when he's putting a guy like that in charge of the White House. Because it's basically the, the geopolitical equivalent of putting an atom bomb into the system. So now he believes that in the vacuum of power that will become the United States pulling back, that Russia can fill that role and become the number one superpower. I do believe that's his plan. I don't believe that there's actually like conspiracy between the two groups. I don't think that. I have a problem with that because of just the number of people that would be necessary to keep the details secret. But I'm asking you, AJ, do you believe that Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump are actively working together? You know that meme on Facebook you see from time to time? There's a person riding a bike, and and that's in one frame, and in the middle frame, as you see them put a stick in their tire, and then the next frame... They're on the ground. Yeah. That's what this whole thing's about. People need to understand that Russia is not the problem. <laughs> Russia never hacked any system. They may have done stuff, but Hillary Clinton didn't lose because of Russia. Okay. I just want to put it out there. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think and, I actually said to somebody yesterday, I think Hillary Clinton could have walked on water, healed the sick, and brought the dead back to life and still would have lost that election. Exactly. And to your point of Putin being smart, for those who don't re- recall, we're talking former KGB officer. Former director of the FSB, the, the yes. replacement to the KGB. Yes, so he has to have some sort of high level of intelligence, in my view, in order to be in that kind of position with the kind of mentality. And we're talking about Cold War Russia now, right? Um, this is Putin. He's an old Soviet guy. Um, so I, I do not I, – I do I, – how, how do I want to say this? I don't get anything past Putin because of who he is and the kind of mentality that he still has and everything. Um, so I don't think he is – him and Trump are talking to each other or plotting in, or anything else like that. Um, Putin is this egomaniac who still wants to create a new kind of Soviet Union um, in his own way. 
but it's not he's not going to do it through the United States nor through Trump and everything. Um, so I, I doubt him and Trump are even having conversations. If they are having conversations, I think it's more about private public partnerships yeah. than anything else, but not about you know let's make a new world order as it were new um, between world Russia order. and right. Sorry, <laughs> I mean. Putin's not Scott Hall and Trump is um, Kevin Nash. Who should Trump be? Yeah, Kevin Nash. No, Trump uh, is Hulk Hogan. He's not that whatsoever. Trump is Hulk Hogan, right? He's Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> okay. Putin yeah. is is Kevin Nash. Yeah. And yeah. who's Scott Hall in this scenario? Who's the bad guy? Uh, like the head- Netanyahu, what's to say? Uh, see, you did that, and now the Israelis are going to come after us because we no longer support a, a strong always Israel-first <laughs> attitude, which, you know, if you even question that, the, the, they come out in anger. Right. <sighs> oh, yeah, so we had that happen, too, while we were gone. The, 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 the idea that I think that happened right after we finished like, two weeks ago was the meeting with Netanyahu, wasn't it, where he said, I support whatever plan both sides support. Great yeah. answer, Donald. <laughs> like, Middle East peace is, is all solved because the President of the United States likes the side that both sides agree on. which And the only thing that they agree on is that both sides should die. So that's what you support. Wonderful. Oh, my God. It's But getting back to the Russian thing, it, it, this stuff just keeps breaking and this stuff just keeps happening. And honestly, here's what I think. Here's what I honestly think, AJ. I don't... This is... This is the ultimate example of there's a lot of smoke. I don't think there's actually fire. I really, really don't. Like the, the whole thing with um, with Michael Flynn. Oh, he discussed sanctions with the. Yeah, they came out that day. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? I come out every day and talk about what's going on in the news with strangers that I meet. This is the first thing that you fucking talk about. And if you're meeting with the Russian ambassador and you're work and you're going to be working in the administration, how does that topic not come up? None of this stuff. Again, as people have said a thousand times, it's 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 in hockey retaliation. In football, it's the late hit, and in this, it's very simple. The cover up is what gets you in trouble, not the fucking crime. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of smoke and no fire. And we knew this going in, you know. The only fire that I thought that was going to be, and I was really on edge when this happened, was when North Korea um, filed a missile, you know, that was rangeable, you know. Um, Don't get me wrong, I was paying attention. To what North Korea was doing, um, but I thought that was going to be the the test of Trump being Trump and was going to start nuclear codes at that moment. I was like, "Oh, wait, for, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen! <laughs> World War Three is going to start in about two seconds." Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't even because I'm so used to treating North Korea as an afterthought that I didn't even think about the pause, which is on my far my Paul my part irresponsible because I should the minute that any country does anything stupid we should just all be ready for alright is this it? Is this that time? I'm just going to watch the skies and see if I see the missiles flying because that's where we're fucking at in this world uh, I, we've been doing this for about 40 minutes AJ and, and we're, we're going to get towards the end where we start to do this stuff 
the only other thing that I really want to I want to get to today is the you and I have had a lot of discussions, a lot of arguments about the role of activists and liberals in the Democratic Party and outside of it. You and I are on very different sides of I'm trying to change the system from within. You don't believe that that can happen. In this scenario that we find ourselves in, though, right now in the U.S., do you believe that, because this is what I think, I think it is incumbent on the Democrats to reach out to people like you and people that you know and do whatever they can to try to convince you or, or, or sell you on the idea that they understand where you're coming from and, and, and they want to bring you in. Is that something that... Let's say hypothetically that a, a Democrat, the, that uh, Tom Perez were to reach out to Mimi. Um, I, I'm sorry, I always screw up his last mm-hmm. name. And, uh, yeah, it's Mimi. Yeah, if, if, they were, if he was to reach out to him and really extend an olive branch of coming to the party, bringing the, the socialist people with you, and we'll work on an equitable agreement between the two to, to kind of raise our political power together, is that something that you would support? Um, if it was done genuine, no, 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 knowing, knowing Mimi and if that were to happen, he would say no. Okay. But what about you? Do you, but okay. Me, I would say no. However, um, if that were to happen, then these are the things that need to happen, you know, that. We need to do it at a very um, anti-capitalist approach to this. Um, We need to really have some real feminist praxis to change the need to happen and everything. And we also need to look at alternative systems in order to transition into the kind of society we need and everything. If... Tom Perez were to listen and actually walk through that process that could be a potential but I don't see that happen anytime No, neither soon. do I, neither do I. I'm just trying to right now reach out to the idea of cuz there's a lot of talk going on amongst everybody in their own little bubbles of we need to stop this, we need to stop this and we need to fight against this, but you know, you've got you going on Facebook going that going through the party is not the way to do it. And as of right now, I completely agree with you. There are a lot of things that need to change within the Democratic Party for them to actually be viable against it. The election of Tom Perez as head of the DNC is a great example of how they're not getting it because you went through an entire election process where everyone who was on the side of Bernie Sanders went, look, you guys lost. You said that you could win with her. We got on that boat and we didn't want to for the most part. And then you fucking lost. And then what do you do when you come out of it? You still ignore the same people and you put in the guy who's a, a, an insider versus the one dude who, whether or not he's actually uh, as far left as Bernie doesn't matter, but Bernie had anointed Keith Ellison. And what do you do? You shut him, you shut him out and you bring in Tom Perez, which to me pissed me off to no end. I was sitting in a Democratic committee meeting when that happened with Jan Schakowsky. And I'm looking at her going, why are they doing this? And she says, well, you know, he's got, he did the campaign. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you got, and I literally, I said this to her face. I was like, you guys are irresponsible enough in this moment to go with the one person who nobody wants. 
I go, yeah, I get it. The insiders want them. The ones who have been there and they find it comforting. I go, but what are you doing? You're preaching to the converted. Who cares what they think? Those people are going to vote Democrat come hell or high water. What you need to do is extend an olive branch out, honestly, AJ, to people like you and to people like Mike Callis, people that we know who agree with Democrats on like 85% of the stuff, but that 15% is very important. And if you just give them the idea that there's some inroads there, maybe they'd be willing to have a conversation with you, but you effectively are shutting it down. And it's 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 like you've got that going on on the left. On the right, my favorite, my favorite story for today, by the way, is if the bill fails, Donald Trump will blame Democrats, which again proves that he never watched Schoolhouse Rock because you have a majority dick in the House, the Senate, and soon to be the Supreme Court. If you can't get this passed by yourself through this system, then your system of republicanism is fucking broken. And blaming that on Democrats is the dumbest fucking thing that I've heard in a while. Uh, sorry, uh, brain hurts, and I'm angry, and uh, I kind of want to... Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, is that, you know... To your point about you know reaching out to like people like myself and others, um, before the show started, I, there was an email that I sent out on this listserv. I don't know how I got on this listserv of uh, a nearby um, county Democrat party office, and, and they this person said that you know they're going to bring in a person that talks about organizing, that knows how to organize, and you know, how to conduct campaigns. The person they're bringing in is a Democratic Party insider, you know? And, and it's they, like... They don't get it, man. So, they don't get it. So, but, like, I, I know the people in the county office. People know me around here. So even though we may disagree on things, you're not going to bring me in? To talk about right, and, and let's be, but I'm going to do you a favor here. Let's be clear: you're not necessarily saying you specifically you, but at least someone like you who's on well, the outside. In this area, yes, but you know, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like somebody who's on the outside. I know what you're saying, right? It's 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 just the 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 idea that they don't get it. The and and honestly, and this is where the fact that I'm only 34 and I feel old compared to the young people, but I feel very young compared to the people that I talk politics with in these committee meetings and it comes down to this you they're older and they're so fucking set in their ways that the idea of new i that the new ideas they they don't freak i'll give you an example man i'm sitting in a meeting with them and i'm trying to have a conversation there's for those of you who don't know there's a meeting the the committee that i'm with is called the nutrier democrats and you know i'm not really a member of their board they offered me a board spot i turned them down i thought you'd be proud of that by the way because i was just like look i don't know enough about I this organization what I am proud of you. Well, because my whole deal was, is like, I don't know how much I'm really in with you guys on everything. I'm willing to help you out as a starting point, but there are things that I believe in that you don't. But I'm trying to help them by being, I don't know, a young person in the room. And in Nutrier, you'll love this, they have um, a special task to the Nutrier, the Nutrier, Nutrier Township, right? And they got a school board mm -hmm. there for Nutrier High School. And whatever you want to say about Nutrier and their sports and the cheating and all that stuff that we always joke about, one of the top five high schools in the country every year, right? One of the best. And their school district is wonderful. If you've, if folks, if you haven't been to the North Shore of Chicago, if you're listening to, if you're one of the people listening in England, you know, the North Shore in, in, in Chicago is one of the most wealthy areas in, in the country. It's like the, it's, it's, 
almost as nice as the Hamptons in, in New York. Like it's 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 up there. And this school has been phenomenal. Well, they are having a local election on April 4th, and it's for the school board, and it's for uh, village trustees. And normally, this is a small, nonpartisan election. Basically, folks, people volunteer. You have like a little thing, and... You know, it's like I described it, AJ, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. It's basically coaching Little League. You're agreeing to go in and help out, and they need somebody there to do some stuff. You're going in to do it. Well, the Koch brothers have come in, and Dan Proft has come in, and now they're expecting that they're going to spend about a million dollars on this township election because what they want to do is they want to – pro- serious? Yeah, they're literally coming in, and they're bringing in about a million dollars in 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 raising and, and all this stuff. Now, it's pack money, and it's all this other stuff, but they're 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 – Dan Proft, who is a adjunct to the Coke Brothers, folks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. look up Coke. Dan Proft, you can draw the line down it. Dan Proft runs a couple of fake news sites, like the whole fucking deal. And they're they're doing everything they can to shut this thing down. And so now I'm in these meetings with these people, and they're going, "Well, what can we do to fight?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, have you started a Kickstarter to raise money?" And they go, "No." I said, "Well, you should start a Kickstarter." And they go, well, why would we, like, because if you can make this national, if you can make this a national thing, you will outrage them in money if you can make this a national issue saying, look, we want this to be a nonpartisan election because their they're, they're big thing is they want the nutrient Dems out of it, right? Which makes sense because I don't, right. we shouldn't be involved. All they're saying, the organization is this should be a nonpartisan election. What are you doing bringing in this kind of money to a township election? And they're trying to have that fight. And all I kept saying was, we'll make videos. And they're like, well, we made one video. It's, it's still being edited. I'm like, what do you mean it's still being edited? Like, when'd you film it? They're like, three months ago. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Air it now. And they kind of look at you like you're crazy because they don't understand, especially the older generation of politics, AJ. It's not about necessarily presentation anymore. People will watch videos online of a dude watching a computer. It's just about having the content out there. So I'm like, take your iPhone, go to these three candidates who are running for town board and film them and ask them how they feel about this. The fact that they, who are basically coaching Little League, now have to raise $5,000 a day to keep up with the spending that's going on, which is impossible at their level. And they and they look at me like I'm nuts. They're like, well, what would we do? I'm like, you just ask them that question. How do you feel about this? And then let them answer. And then if you have a follow-up, great. If not, put the video on with the 30-second answer. That's enough. Because if it hits the right people, it can go the, viral. The, the problem with groups like the New Trier Democrats, <clears throat> and I've seen it elsewhere in Illinois, um, is that they're still playing, if we can use basketball, as a metaphor, All right. okay. Um, the Democrats are still playing um, 1975 Boston Celtics basketball. Pass three times and shoot. You know, not um, the greatest basketball team of all time. The 1996-1997 Chicago Bulls, who went 72 and 10, and then eventually went on to defeat the Seattle SuperSonics in Game Five of the NBA Championship Series after defeating the New York Knicks, the Orlando Magic, and the Miami Heat in the playoffs. No, I was gonna go with the '89 Pistons. <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> but but, but that's, that's my point. They're still. Doing, they look at campaign still as a very fundamental. If you look at Hillary Clinton's campaign, outside of certain nuances, um, it was very much a systematic thing that you need to do this, then that, then the other. 
when doing your campaign and everything, you know, not this other way of campaigning that's more digital. Um, Obama did that to a degree when he ran eight years ago. You know, it's, it's very digital. We have to use social media. We have to do all this. Bernie Sanders did it and did that with his campaign, but then they didn't go far enough in my view. So there, there, there are still a generation of Democrats who still view campaigning, even at the local level, a very certain way. And it baffles them when you have activists like me who's out there who stands in front of their office with my phone and I'm berating them in front of their office. And then I upload it and they're like, well, how'd you do that? I'm like, it, it only took seconds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With me, with I, the- didn't, I didn't need to call media i have my own media right you know and i have means to do this you know and, and you try to exp- um, and then you try to explain to them look and i'm not saying that me doing this 10 million people are going to see it right now but i don't know what's going to that I'm, what i'm going to do that's going to have 10 million people see it i tell people all the time the best production of the biggest numbers you and i ever got was a John Oliver video. And you say that to people and you go, what topic do you think it was about? And they will say Trump or they'll say, you know, all of the classic pieces that he did. But AJ, do you remember what the number one video we ever did was from John Oliver? It was a Puerto, it was a Puerto Rican one. Goddamn right. Because in a series of, of crazy events, Lin-Manuel Miranda came out to sing a song about Puerto Rico in on John Oliver the week that he had won the Tony for Hamilton, so he was already a top five Google search. And on top of that, you add to it John Oliver, so you've got those two things happening simultaneously during Puerto Rican Independence Day uh, celebration, or what I'm sorry, Puerto Rican Day parade that they do. All of those things mixed together that when those things were all being searched and we happened to be the first person to put the video up, we got 5 million people to watch that video on our Facebook page. And that's a viral hit. Now, we don't really get a lot of credit for it, nor should we. We didn't make it. We had nothing to do with it. We just happened to be the first one to share it. But that in and of itself has jacked our search algorithm that we now get seen by a lot more people than people who are like us because we had one thing hit 5 million. So when I try to explain to people in these meetings, and even right now, folks, if you're listening and you're going, I don't know, the the biggest thing that I'm seeing stopping people from really getting stuff done right now is overthinking. The time for thinking is great, and you should always put thought into what you're going to do. But the hemming and hawing on decision points is what's really starting to scare me because it's happening everywhere. It's happening at the highest levels of the Democratic Party. It's happening in your socialist organizations, too. It happens in all the activist organizations that are down in the city of Chicago that I've been to where everybody is constantly, well, should we? I don't know. Maybe. Could it, did I offend you? Did I... It's got to stop. You got to take action. We got to do, not we, we all need to kind of be willing to surrender stuff that we strongly believe in to compromise, which is don't sell yourself short. Don't, don't compromise your beliefs necessarily, but understand there's realistic steps to getting where you're going. But AJ, before we get out of here today, I, I've said this to you before and I, and I really want to talk about this. I do believe that the loss of a collective goal is what's most responsible for what's going on right now. We have no agenda. We have no true, great, easily identifiable enemy that we are all fighting against or trying to get to the moon or something. And honestly, I just wish that there was a politician who would come out and do the, we choose to go to Mars by the end of the decade. 
We choose to do these things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Not because I think going to Mars is some end-all, be-all, but at least it's a goal. It's something to strive for. Do you think I'm crazy with that thought process? No, no, but I think the, the, the only thing I will slightly disagree with you on is that, sure, there's not maybe a collective thought or getting behind something that's a collective, but there are ideas that are put out there every day. There are those same ideas that are, are put into practice not yesterday, not last week, not a month ago, but since the 60s. And some of these things are still in place, not just in the United States, but in Europe, Africa, Latin America, and Asia, and Australia, you know. And they've been around. A lot of people are still fighting those things to get them put forward into their city councils or for a state, um, through their state assemblies, and they always get shut down. Yeah. Well, because can- the other side, and the other side, I mean the Democrats, either A – don't want to listen to it because it's not a part of their agenda. Or secondly, um, that is not what they feel change should be. Right. No, you're not. And that's the problem. No, and, and you're 100% correct on that because there are some ideas that are really good that have just been ignored. And, and some of them don't even get talked about at a national level. And, and, and that stuff needs to change. And, and the one thing I've actually been arguing for in these meetings is you need more access. You need people to have more access to these kinds of meetings. And it's, and look, they go, well, we have it. I said, no, you're not getting it. Having a website and inviting people on your Facebook, which has a following of 40 people, is not the same thing as if you really want to do this, then you need to go out to the places where these people are at and talk to them. I've been arguing with the few Congress people that I've met. I said, have you considered going to any of, and I know that this is going to piss you off, but... There are those indivisible meetings that people are at, and whether or not, wherever you fall on that, those are real people who are trying to do something, and if you go talk to them, you'd probably be surprised at how much they're willing to help you if you actually give them a reason to, but the fact that they just... There's the elitism in the Democratic Party that pisses me off to no end, and it's this way of talking down to you that reminds me of the ways uh, shitty teachers used to talk to me. You know, that down-the-nose thing of you just don't know what you're talking about. And, and I said, yeah, but you're not really winning either, so and you're not doing anything, so what the fuck, who are you? It's that moment you have, AJ, where I always tell people this. The reason I was such a bad student when I was in grade school and high school was at about the age of seven, I asked my teacher a question, and they had to go to the, the book, right? They didn't know the answer off the top of their head. And I went, oh, well, I could have done that. And from that moment on, I never took a teacher seriously unless they could prove to me that they actually knew what they were talking about. Because any asshole can stand in front of a room full of kids and regurgitate bullshit. But if you don't understand the concepts behind it, then what are you teaching me that I don't learn from reading the goddamn book? And with Democrats, I feel like it's that same, I have that same reaction with them now, where I'm going, look, you don't, you tell me that you know what you're doing, but all the evidence of what has actually happened tells me that you're as, you're guessing as much as I am. Well, if we're just all guessing, then can you stop being the one who guesses and maybe listen to some other people who might do it? Because maybe we'll lose, but at least we'll go down fighting. I've said this before on the show, and I will say it again. The left to me right now, every angle of it feels like you're in a fist fight and you're just getting punched in the face. And no one has a convincing right hook back 
to really kind of jock the other side with it. The closest that we've gotten is Lindsey Graham and John McCain. And when those two people are all that's really the hope for the United States of America, fuck. Right. And, you know, <laughs> you know, in these indivisible means you're talking about, I mean, one, I've been invited to one, it's, but they're called for action for a better tomorrow. Yeah. And they're part of this indivisible movement. Um, so when I got invited, because I got invited by four people saying, you know, we want you at the meeting because we want the activists there, right? And when I sat there and instead of, you know, turning to me and like asking questions, it was more like, okay, here's a list. Uh, we want you to call people. And push forward these legislative bills in the state house. Yeah, it's like, but that's not what I'm. That's not what you brought me here to do. I've done this. That's this is not what's going to work, you know. Yeah. And like, and they keep inviting me to these postcard um, parties where they're literally making postcards and sending it to legislators. And I go, what's the purpose of this? He goes, well, if we get enough, then they have to hear us. And I'm like, but that's not how democracy works. And not to mention that isn't your response. My response to that would be, no, they don't. I guess they do. No, they don't. <laughs> like that's like saying that because you know, got- I mean, you, you 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 sat with Jan, right? Yeah. When you see her next time, ask her. And I don't know if she'll bullshit you or not, she'll but if I know Jan like I know Jan, ask her if she gets volumes of letters. Does she really take the time to read them? And respond to the group that's doing it. Yeah. Or does she send a form letter, which is what they generally do? Right. And then, so, and I, by the way, I wanted to tell you, I was at a meeting, uh, not a meeting, I was at somebody's house, and they're like, oh, I got this letter from uh, the president. And I looked at it, and I knew an auto pen form letter when I see one. It's like, they, look, they wrote me personally, and I'm like, yeah, they pasted in, I'm like, I can do this for you in five minutes on the computer. I'm like, look here, and I, I literally did it. I was like, here's the letter, and I caught, and like I just wrote out something. I was like, now watch, give me everyone's name who's in the room, and I just put it into Outlook, you know, like you can do, and it just auto filled yeah. the information. And the next thing you know, I've got like 15 letters that all look the same that seem like I wrote a nice letter to you. You know, I was like, that kind of shit that drives me crazy with what people think. But we've been going for an hour. It's getting time to get out of here, AJ. Uh, before we go, I want to tell people, and you'll love this, this just broke on uh, PBS about, oh, 10 minutes ago. The head of the Environmental Protection Agency's Office on Environmental Justice has resigned in protest over the Trump administration's proposal to slash funding that helped poor and minority communities nationwide. Uh, Mustafa Ali, an associate assistant EPA administrator, helped found the Environmental Justice Office in, uh, in the 90s and has worked under Republican and Democratic presidents. He told Inside Climate News, which first reported on his resignation, that he sees no indication that the Trump administration is interested in, being, in helping vulnerable communities. He says his values and priorities seem to be different than the current leadership, because I, and because of that, I feel it's best if I take my talents elsewhere. I love that take my talents elsewhere is now a phrase thanks to LeBron James. 
Okay, so there you go. A good person in government who's worked there for 20 years has decided to resign because he believes that the current administration doesn't give a fuck about poor people, which doesn't give a fuck about poor people might be his re-election slogan. Anything you want to talk about, AJ, before we end the show today? No, it's just... um... It's like we said, ladies and gentlemen, there's there's a lot of shit out there, and you know Nick and I try to do the best we can to give uh, you the, the the best quality podcast show there is out there. But there's a lot of it, and so, you can only shovel so much shit. So again, we we did this the last show. We'll do it again now. How to defend against fake news? Number one, if they have a byline, a byline is somebody's fucking name, which means they are responsible financially and legally for what they are saying. If they do not have a name on a news story, it is it may not be fake news, but you can't take it seriously what's written on that page. Number two, when you go to a website that you've never been to before, or you kind of have been on a couple times, and it seems like it's way to the extreme, either left or right. Look at where the money comes from that runs that place. Check who's in charge of it. Yes, this is responsible citizenship. We have been very lucky in the United States of America. I am 34 years old. Until this age, I never really had to worry about where my information came from to the level that I do now. So you need to be responsible. I don't care. Listen, and AJ, I think you'll agree with this. If you don't want to talk about politics... That is totally fine. But if you choose to talk about it and you choose to get your information from places, it is responsible on your part to make sure that that information is correct. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. PBS, ladies and gentlemen, CNN, Fox News, uh, NBC, MSNBC, uh, you can name them, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, The Guardian, um... I'm trying to think of anything else, AJ, off the top of my head that you can just, you know, say is if they report uh, Tribune. Yeah. Any newspaper, realistically, folks, that's an actual newspaper that you've heard of, like the uh, New Orleans Star Tribune or something like that, they have rules that they follow. They have published rules that they follow. They don't print they don't print stuff that isn't true. Okay, they have rules to protect against that. If you're on a site that it seems too good to be true or too insane to be true, chances are it's not true. So protect yourself. Responsible citizenship. Know where you're getting your information from. Other than that, AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. This has been Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. I was Nick Sarantos. That was AJ Signeri. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with today's Thursday, so tomorrow's Friday. So something insane is going to happen that we'll be talking about all weekend. And then, you know, like three more crazy shit, crazy shit things are going to happen before next Thursday. So... Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back. The phrase that I'm actually looking for is, we out! It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.